Hey, it's Gabe. I want to recommend a podcast I think you'll enjoy called What Could Go Right. On What Could Go Right, the hosts, Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varva-Lucas, sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues. They look back at how far society has come and look forward to what it will take to achieve a brighter future. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, listen to What Could Go Right wherever you get your podcasts. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that shines a light on the ups and downs of everyday history. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're looking at an early disaster in New Orleans history that left a lasting impression on both the city's infrastructure and its character. The day was March 21st, 1788. A fire sparked in the home of a Spanish military treasurer consumed roughly 80% of the city of New Orleans. In just five short hours, the blaze destroyed 856 out of approximately 1,100 standing structures. In the wake of the disaster, the city's oldest neighborhood, known today as the French Quarter, was rebuilt with a decidedly more Spanish look. New Orleans was founded in 1718 by the French governor of Louisiana, a man named Jean-Baptiste Le Moyne and was named for the French head of state at the time, Philippe de Orleans. As the city took shape under French rule, it gradually organized into a rectangular community built on the highest patch of dry land in the otherwise swampy area. This original site, which was still only 10 to 15 feet above sea level, later became what we call the French Quarter. So not only was that famous neighborhood there from the beginning, at one point, it constituted the entire city. But France wasn't the only European power to ever hold sway in New Orleans. Following the Revolutionary War, 
France actually gave the Louisiana Territory to Spain, mostly as a way to keep England from taking control of it. At any rate, Spain took possession of New Orleans in 1762 and held on to it for just under 50 years. Eventually, in 1801, a different treaty placed Louisiana back under French rule, until two years later when Napoleon sold the whole thing to the United States as part of the Louisiana Purchase. Nearly all of the original French colonial buildings in New Orleans were destroyed during Spain's rule in the late 1700s. But the change wasn't made due to national pride. The buildings weren't knocked down on purpose or anything like that. Instead, two massive fires laid waste to the French-built city. The first took place on March 21, 1788. The fire began in the Charles Street home of Don Vicente José Núñez, the treasurer and paymaster of the Spanish army. The exact cause is a matter of debate, but the prevailing theory is that an unattended candle caught the drapes on fire in Núñez's home, and because a strong dry wind was blowing in from the south, the flames quickly spread to the adjoining homes. It didn't help that most of the city's buildings were made of wood, complete with cross-timbered walls and double-pitched roofs. Even then, the damage might not have been so bad, except that the fire happened to occur on Good Friday. The city had switched from French to Spanish rule 20 years earlier, but most of its residents were still devout Catholics. In fact, the candle that's thought to have started the fire was likely a votive lit by Nunez as a way to mark the religious holiday. However, it turned out to be a very bad Friday that year, as the city's priests would not allow the church bells to be rung as fire alarms on such a sacred day. Without the bells to alert the rest of the city to the growing blaze, it was next to impossible to organize help amidst the chaos. As a result, the fire burned unchecked, and within five hours, it had leveled practically the entire city, including hundreds of homes and businesses, the town hospital, the jail, and the military armory. The St. Louis Cathedral, the church that wouldn't allow the bells to be rung, was also destroyed in the fire. Many people died in the blaze, including a number of prisoners who were left to burn with no attempt at rescue. Countless others were left homeless, prompting Governor Esteban Miro to set up tents and hand out food to the survivors. The governor later recounted that grave day, writing, quote, If the imagination could describe what our senses enable us to feel from sight and touch, reason itself would recoil in horror, and it is no easy matter to say whether the sight of an entire city in flames was more horrible to behold than the suffering and pitiable condition in which everyone was involved. The tears, the heartbreaking sobs, and the pallid faces of these wretched people mirrored the dire fatality that had overcome a city now in ruins, transformed within the space of five hours into an arid and fearful desert. But even in the midst of that suffering, there were early signs of the resiliency and generosity that would later come to characterize the city. The governor described one man who sold his stores of rice and tobacco to the army at market price so that they could be distributed to the survivors. He also remarked on how lucky citizens who were spared from the flames quickly opened their homes to those less fortunate. As he put it, quote, 
Many have taken temporary lodgings with families that were so fortunate as to escape unscathed, and to such an extent have the compassionate feelings of the latter shown forth that on the following day there was not a single human being without shelter. Tragically, though, this dark chapter in the city's history would be repeated just a few years later. After six years of rebuilding, a second great fire broke out in 1794. Thankfully, that one didn't occur on Good Friday and was therefore able to be extinguished before it did too much damage. There were still some 212 buildings that burned that day, to say nothing of all the people killed or left homeless. But compared to the fire of 88, New Orleans fared much better the second time around. After the second fire, the Spanish government started handing out loans for citizens to rebuild their houses. The only catch was that in order to get the money, you had to agree to build according to the government's newly developed guidelines. These included all kinds of rules aimed at making the city more fireproof including the switch to brick and plaster townhomes instead of the wooden cottages that had characterized the city under French rule. And as you may have guessed, this is when the French Quarter started to look decidedly more Spanish, even if the streets themselves were still named for French royals and nobles. This transformation proved to be a real turning point in New Orleans history. As author Lyle Saxon explained in his book Fabulous New Orleans, quote, the city that fell before the flames was a congested French community of wooden houses, badly arranged and irregular. A stately Spanish city rose in its stead. Large fan-shaped windows looked down into courtyards, which held banana trees and oleanders, and balconies railed with delicate wrought iron overhung the streets. From the fires of 1788 and 1794 to Hurricane Katrina and beyond, New Orleans is a city that's no stranger to tragedy, but it's also a place of continuous renewal, a city where people respond to the worst disasters imaginable by pulling together, picking up the pieces, and moving forward, ready to face whatever life throws at them next. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed today's show, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. Hello, iHeart listener. We have a confession to make. Both iHeart and this commercial you're listening to right now would probably sound a heck of a lot better on the new Roku Pro Series TV. It's got side-firing speakers that fill your room with sound, Dolby Atmos audio that puts you right in the middle of the entertainment, and the ability to pair seamlessly with your home theater sound systems that already have surround sound and booming bass. If all that sounds too good to be true, it'll sound even better on the new Roku Pro Series. Your hearing isn't better. Your TV is. A collision between a Chinese jet and an American spy plane. He came and rammed into our left wing. With relations increasingly strained, what are the chances of things spinning out of control? The Western world was asleep. 
I'm Gordon Carrera. I'll be exploring the friction in this most important of relationships and asking, has the West taken its eye off the ball? You cannot ignore China. From BBC Radio 4, this is Shadow War, China and the West. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, guys? This is Sean, Lights Out Merriman. And Saturday, June 15th, Lights Out Extreme Fighting 17 returns to Casino Palma in San Diego. Get your tickets now at lightsoutxf.com. And we'll be live on Lights Out Sports TV, available on all major platforms. Doors open at 5 p.m. Pacific. You don't want to miss this one. It's going to be Lights Out. Lights Out Sports is free sports TV by athletes for fans. For details about the event and tickets, go to lightsoutxf.com.